0: In memoriam A.H.H., Cantos 26 through 30. Like so many of the others, the first time I read this next canto, I could not comprehend it. Then I read it aloud, and reread it, and read A.S.P. Woodhouse's brief commentary on it, and finally it crystallized. And I clutched my heart and whispered aloud, Oh my God! Let me read it through, and then I will explain it. Canto 26 Still onward winds the dreary way, I with it, for I long to prove no lapse of moons can canker love, whatever fickle tongues may say. And if that eye which watches guilt and goodness, and hath power to see within the green the mouldered tree and towers fallen as soon as built, oh, if indeed that eye foresee or see, In him is no before. In more of life, true life no more, And love the indifference to be. So might I find, Ere yet the morn breaks hither Over Indian seas, That shadow waiting with the keys To shroud me from my proper scorn. Woodhouse puts it very simply like this, I will drag myself along this weary path of life only to prove that love cannot die. And if my love is destined to die, then may I meet that shadow, may I die tonight. Unquote. Whatever petty people may say, he wants to prove that time cannot canker, cannot corrupt or quell love. He asks that if God, who has the power to see the decaying tree within the first green growth— who can foretell the falling of a tower when it is first built. If God can foresee the death of his love for his lost friend, then he himself wants to die before the next day dawns. My goodness, such devotion, such love. Let me read it again. Still onward winds the dreary way, I with it, for I long to prove no lapse of moons can canker love. Whatever fickle tongues may say. And if that eye which watches guilt and goodness, and hath power to see within the green the mouldered tree, and towers fallen as soon as built, oh, if indeed that eye foresee, or see, in him is no before, in more of life, true life no more, and love the indifference to be, so might I find. Ere yet the morn breaks hither over Indian seas, That shadow waiting with the keys To shroud me from my proper scorn. This next canto contains lines so widely known That they can almost serve as a stand-in for poetry itself. You will surely recognize them when you hear them. They are famous for good reason. They are a sublimely beautiful expression of a powerful truth. Canto 27 I envy not in any moods the captive void of noble rage, the linnet born within the cage that never knew the summer woods. I envy not the beast that takes his license in the field of time, unfettered by the sense of crime, to whom a conscience never wakes. Nor what may count itself as blessed, the heart that never plighted troth but stagnates in the weeds of sloth, nor any want-begotten rest. I hold it true, whate'er befall, I feel it when I sorrow most. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Woodhouse's summary is this, quote, I care not for life without freedom, without moral law, without love. Unquote. He does not envy the comfortably caged linnet, the complacent captive, void of noble rage. What a phrase. He does not envy the beast unfettered by conscience or a sense of crime. And most of all, he does not envy those who find freedom in the refusal to give their hearts, who stagnate from sloth and enjoy a restful peace because they have devoted themselves to nothing and no one. Instead, it is in the very moments that he suffers most from sorrow over his lost love that he feels the most strongly. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I'll read these lines again. I envy not in any moods the captive void of noble rage, the linnet born within the cage that never knew the summer woods. I envy not the beast that takes his license in the field of time, unfettered by the sense of crime, to whom a conscience never wakes. Nor what may count itself as blessed, the heart that never plighted troth, but stagnates in the weeds of sloth, nor any want-begotten rest. I hold it true whate'er befall, I feel it when I sorrow most, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all in this canto it is Christmas Eve, and as Tennyson listens to the bells ringing from the churches of four neighboring hamlets, he feels as if there is a wall between him and those joyful sounds he loved so much in childhood canto twenty eight the time draws near the birth of Christ, the moon is hid. The night is still. The Christmas bells from hill to hill answer each other in the mist. Four voices of four hamlets round from far and near on mead and moor swell out and fail as if a door were shut between me and the sound. Each voice four changes on the wind that now dilate and now decrease. Peace and goodwill Goodwill and peace, peace and goodwill to all mankind. This year I slept and woke with pain. I almost wished no more to wake, and that my hold on life would break before I heard those bells again. But they, my troubled spirit, rule, for they controlled me when a boy. They bring me sorrow, touched with joy, the merry, merry bells of Yule. This is such a sorrowful image. The night is dark and silent. The Christmas bells ring out their joy, but their sound is muted by his suffering. We can almost hear the bells ourselves in the swaying sounds of Tennyson's words. Peace and goodwill, goodwill and peace, peace and goodwill to all mankind. We are given such a bluntly painful picture of that suffering— of sleeping, waking to pain, and wishing to wake no more. But he endeavors to give himself over to the power of the bells, to let them rule his troubled spirit like they captivated him in his youth, and thereby at least to touch his sorrow with joy. I'll read these lines once more. The time draws near the birth of Christ. The moon is hid, the night is still. The Christmas bells from hill to hill Answer each other in the mist. Four voices of four hamlets round From far and near On mead and moor Swell out and fail As if a door were shut Between me and the sound. Each voice four changes on the wind Now that dilate and now decrease Peace and goodwill Goodwill and peace Peace and goodwill to all mankind. This year I slept and woke with pain. I almost wished no more to wake, and that my hold on life would break before I heard those bells again. But they, my troubled spirit, rule, for they controlled me when a boy. They bring me sorrow touched with joy, the merry, merry bells of Yule. In this next canto, Tennyson questions how he can keep his Christmas Eve traditions when the day's celebration will no longer bring his most welcome guest. But in the words of Woodhouse, he resolves that he will, quote, not omit to observe these time-honored forms of traditional rejoicing, unquote, because the day will come when these customs, too, will die. Canto twenty-nine. With such compelling cause to grieve As daily vexes household peace And chains regret to his decease, How dare we keep our Christmas Eve? Which brings no more a welcome guest To enrich the threshold of the night With showered largesse of delight In dance and song and game and jest. Yet go, and while the holly boughs Entwine the cold baptismal font, Make one wreath more for use and want that guard the portals of the house. Old sisters of a day gone by, gray nurses, loving nothing new. Why should they miss their yearly due before their time? They too will die. I marvel over Tennyson's ability to put into words how his friend made him feel. Upon his arrival for Christmas Eve festivities, Hallam... Enriched the threshold of the night and showered largesse of delight in dance and song and game and jest. These words give me a powerful sensation of the vibrancy of his presence. There's such love and loyalty in the sense that it would be a betrayal to carry on with celebratory traditions in which his friend can no longer be included. Tennyson is able to grapple with this anguish only by taking a philosophic perspective traditions too will die, so they ought not to miss their own chance at living. I'll read those lines once again. With such compelling cause to grieve as daily vexes household peace and chains regret to his decease, how dare we keep our Christmas Eve? Which brings no more a welcome guest To enrich the threshold of the night With showered largesse of delight In dance and song and game and jest. Yet go, and while the holly boughs Entwine the cold baptismal font, Make one wreath more for use and want That guard the portals of the house. Old sisters of a day gone by, Gray nurses loving nothing new. Why should they miss their yearly due before their time? They too will die. And finally, having resolved to carry on their traditions, they weave the holly round the hearth, gamble around playing their games, then sit in a circle and sing. But there is a pall over their efforts and over the earth itself. In the words of Woodhouse, they go from, quote, a vain attempt at rejoicing then to a peaceful feeling that he is at rest in the grave, and last, to a happy feeling that he has risen from the grave and is now a free spirit ranging the universe. They ask God to bring forth a new day flooded with light, like the light that was brought by the birth of Christ. Canto 30 With trembling fingers did we weave the holly round the Christmas hearth, A rainy cloud possessed the earth and sadly fell our Christmas Eve. At our old pastimes in the hall we gambled, making vain pretense of gladness, with an awful sense of one mute shadow watching all. We paused. The winds were in the beach. We heard them sweep the winter land, and in a circle, hand in hand, sat silent looking each at each. Then, echo-like, our voices rang. We sung, though every eye was dim. A merry song we sang with him last year, impetuously we sang. We ceased. A gentler feeling crept upon us. Surely rest is meat. They rest, we said. Their sleep is sweet. And silence followed. And we wept. Our voices took a higher range. Once more we sang. They do not die, nor lose their mortal sympathy, Nor change to us, although they change. Wrapped from the fickle and the frail With gathered power, yet the same, Pierces the keen seraphic flame From orb to orb, from veil to veil. Rise, happy morn, rise, holy morn, "'Draw forth the cheerful day from night. "'O Father, touch the east "'and light the light that shone "'when hope was born.'" Again, the images are palpable and beautiful and haunting. A rainy cloud does not just hover above, but possesses the earth. A mute shadow stands in the corner, watching over their vain pretenses of happiness. And while the wind sweeps the winter land, They sit in a silent circle, preparing themselves to sing, as they did so impetuously when he was with them. They do sing, and it helps gentler feelings to stir within them, until they are almost able to feel that he has not died at all, and that the new day can bring new hope. I'll read these lines one last time. With trembling fingers did we weave the holly round the Christmas hearth, A rainy cloud possessed the earth, and sadly fell our Christmas Eve. At our old pastimes in the hall, we gambled, making vain pretense of gladness, with an awful sense of one mute shadow watching all. We paused. The winds were in the beach. We heard them sweep the winter land, and in a circle, hand in hand, sat silent, looking each at each. Then, echo-like, our voices rang. We sung, though every eye was dim. A merry song we sang with him last year. Impetuously we sang. We ceased. A gentler feeling crept upon us. Surely rest is meet. They rest, we said. Their sleep is sweet. And silence followed, and we wept. Our voices took a higher range. Once more we sang. They do not die, nor lose their mortal sympathy, Nor change to us, although they change. Wrapped from the fickle and the frail, With gathered power, yet the same, Pierces the keen seraphic flame from orb to orb, From veil to veil. Rise, happy morn, rise, holy morn, Draw forth the cheerful day from night. O Father, touch the east, and light the light that shone when hope was born.